You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Web Podcast live at Connect Tech 2022. My name is Rob Osell, and I'm an architect at this.labs. Today, we're going to be talking about Legos. Legos and what that has to do with APIs, architecture, maybe even scaling to medium. All these things will make sense to you soon, but we're going to be talking about that with Ray Jeshwaldo. Ray is a full-stack JavaScript developer, speaker, and mentor, local here for the conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he serves as a staff software architect at Salesloft. Ray, how are you doing? Doing great. So glad to be back uh, at some in-person events. Uh, Connect Tech happened last year in person, um, but there's still kind of few and far between. Getting back into that routine, glad to see, see old friends, meet new friends, and uh, get back to, to speaking a little bit. Yeah, we've been, we've been asking different speakers this while we've been here, but um, have you been to many events kind of on this side of the, the, the heart of the pandemic? I haven't been to too many. I've got two young ones at the house, so I stay close to home in general. Um, and then just for health reasons was, wasn't going out too much. Um, but, but connect tech is my like yearly, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. I'm going to make it, um, been here six years in a row now. So this is, this is the one I'm most excited about each year. You know, it's so, it's such a blessing to live in a place that has access to something like that. You know, um, you know, I'm sort of local to the Raleigh Durham area in North Carolina. So all things open is kind of our version, uh, that comes up for every sure. year. Um, sure. and it's just, it is really great to have these kinds of places to meet people, not just people from all over the world and all over the country, which is great. But what I liked about it is when you have a good, uh, uh, local conference is you go there and you run into people. Maybe you haven't seen for, for meetups for a couple years, or you haven't, you worked with many years back. It's like a really fun, like local tech, uh, family reunion almost. So, you know, that's an, an, you know, an underrated part of if you're able to attend a local, uh, a local event if you have one. But. Absolutely. And, and all, all those things happen. I, I saw speaker friends that I haven't seen since 2019. I've run into one or two uh, previous coworkers. Um, it's, you're right. It's a great time to be a part of the community, to help build some community. Um, and, uh, and if you're speaking, connect with other speakers, right? Because... Um, there's a, there's a, a good community, especially in for Connect Tech. The, the organizers do a great job of supporting the speakers that are here and creating spaces for them to be able to, to talk and, and spend time together. So it's been great. So, you know, your talk here at Connect Tech uh, is brick by brick, what Lego taught me about great APIs. We're not going to make you repeat your talk. Uh, people can probably find it online on YouTube. They do a good job of making these talks available after a little bit after the conference. But... Walk us through a little bit how you started this epiphany. Like, was this just a, a, a crack of lightning in the shower one day? Like, wh what sort of started making you compare these two things to one another? Yeah, that's a great question. So it, it started with, with the Lego. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I told this story uh, during the talk, but two years ago, um, or let me back up even further, uh, my... I'm the oldest of four, and there's three significant others in there too, so there's about seven of us. And a long time ago, instead of like each family unit having to get gifts for everybody, we just do Secret Santa with each other. And so two years ago, right in the, the height of the pandemic, um, or at least the initial wave of the pandemic, um, 
we were still able to do Secret Santa. We were on like drop things off on people's doorsteps and you know bolt uh, before they open the door, sort of a deal. But we we were able to to distribute those out. My my sister got me a um, a Star Wars Lego set. It's uh, for the Star Wars people out there, it's the ATST Walker that shows up in the Mandalorian season one. Mm, okay. And uh, I, I hadn't put together an official Lego set in almost like 20 years. I mean, it'd been a long time. Lego was a huge part of my childhood. Yeah. Um, I know it exactly wasn't the fancy sets, it was like the, the yeah. bucket of Lego that <laughs> yeah, you get yeah, as a yeah. hand me down from somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this was my first official set in the longest time. So I was putting it together and it was just, it was so much fun. It, there was obviously a nostalgic aspect of it um, from, from my childhood, but there was also just the aspect of they're doing so many things right. Everything about this process makes me enjoy it. And I got to the end and I, I literally stopped, looked at my wife and said, there's a conference talk in here somewhere <laughs> uh, because there, there's so many things they do right. What do they do right? And is there a way we can translate that to how we build software? Yeah. Um, so it, it started with Lego and, uh, and then just kind of developed from there. You know, it's, it's funny too, because for anybody listening to this, you know, if you've ever seen the Lego movie, um, not to spoil it, but one of the sort of the villains is is basically a character that wants Legos to stay exactly as they are forever. And, you know, when you watch this movie, especially if you played Legos as a kid, you, you, you instantly understand why this person is a villain. Oh, absolutely. But then you become a parent with a fancy new Lego set <laughs> and you start to say, that was the good guy in this story. So we got uh, Mario Legos. Okay. And those are kind of not just meant to be built, but also meant to be played with, all those sort of Lego Mario sets. And so I've been building those with my son. Same thing, I played Legos as a kid. Took many, many years off, didn't really have them. And then I started getting these sort of Lego Mario sets. And so I'm building these and my kid wants to play with me. And so, you know, they survive maybe a couple hours before mm -hmm. they're just in a, a set of various pieces and, you know, even if this doesn't apply to APIs, although maybe we can talk about it, there's just something to be said about, you learn a lot about being comfortable with building something and then seeing it be taken down and sort of reapplied that I've had to learn by doing Legos <laughs> with my son. Cause he has the time of his life and I just have to like sit there and go, that was gonna look really pretty on daddy's shelf behind him in conference calls. <laughs> For sure, yeah. The I, I will say the ATST Walker is up on a shelf in in the home office. Um, it has not made its way to the floor because as soon as it does, it, <laughs> it will never be put back together again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so get us into it. So what is what is sort of this insight? What what was it about Legos and API development that kind of was the thing that clicked? Like what what was. Give us an example of one of the kind of the epiphanies that you had. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in the talk, I, I laid out that uh, there, there were five different kind of principles that I pulled from my time working with, with Legos. Um, and uh, as, as, I was, as I was kind of teasing those out, it, it, what was impressed upon me is that Lego wasn't doing anything revolutionary. Yeah. They were executing on the small things perfectly. And so the, the things that I teased out, I, I teased out the, the, the kind of the concepts were documentation. Um, I got to try to remember to go. fly. Uh, composability, consistency, compatibility, and empathy, right? And so those five things in and of themselves, none of that is, is revolutionary. Right. Um, but they executed on those fundamentals so well that as a whole, it's just this wonderful experience. And, and building APIs to to set the stage a little bit, API is not necessarily like a web API, like a, like a Stripe, right? Um, an API 
as I defined it in the talk, is um, any code that's going to be used by someone else, right? You've oh, got okay. So you meant this on outputs. all levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. this okay. is a, a much more, a much larger kind of umbrella term, right? It applies to the stripes of the world. Sure. But it also applies to maybe you're building uh, some, some like internal package that's going to be shared across a few different teams, right? Whatever the API is of that, that is the API that I'm talking about as well. So this scales across uh, the entire spectrum of API size, if you will, and even API type, right? It could be uh, a React component, a Vue component, an Angular component, or it could be, you know, building the next Stripe. Um, so to, you had asked about maybe pulling one of those out. Um, one of the ones that I think blew my mind when I started really digging into it was the backwards compatibility story. Yeah. So the first Lego brick was, I think it was sold in 1958. So 64 years, 64 years of Legos being sold out in the marketplace. Um, and if we could rewind time and go and, and find that original Lego, it's probably in a landfill or you know, melted down <laughs> somewhere, um, and, and pull it to today, I could take it home and I could clip it onto the model I have in my house. And so they have 64 years of backwards compatibility. And what that drives is so much in terms of customer value. You know, if, if I know that the Legos that I had as a kid, I can now, I can, you know, dig into my parents' basement somewhere, go grab that bucket and bring it to my house and then buy more Legos for my kid. And so he can have a, a conglomeration of what I, as a I had as a kid plus these new things, um, the value of those Legos skyrockets because now I can reuse them even across generations. Now for software, it's a little bit different, right? We're, sure. we're not going to pretend that anything we build is still going to be standing in 64 years, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're not looking at that long of a window. Our window is much shorter, but at the same time, how do we make changes, right? So in uh, Lego's case, it's about compatibility, making sure things work for a really long time. I think in terms of software, we change we change the question a little bit, maybe flip it on its head. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to make changes, so how are we going to make those changes? Are we going to make them well? Are we going to make them in a way that builds trust with our customer, in a way that uh, continues to drive value for our customer? And, and when I say customer, I don't necessarily mean paying customer sure. of whatever company we work at. Could be the other team. I, I mean the person yeah. who's going to use the code we're writing. That is our customer, right? Our API is our product. Our customer is could be a paying customer, but could be the developer who's sitting across the Zoom call from us every every day. Um, so how do we how do we drive value? How do we keep instilling trust in our customer, or keep them instilling trust in us, even through changes? You know, backwards compatibility is such a fascinating topic, both, again, for APIs of the type that you would call on the back end, but also for component-based APIs. Because um, I think there's a mantra, it's not really right, wrong, or otherwise, but there's like kind of this idea that, you know, you need to build quickly, like rapid prototyping exists. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we can often build things uh, before we fully know what we're building. And, you know, the flip side of that is sometimes people try to come up with an interface that is eternal, um, <laughs> but they prematurely abstract. So yep. there are actually pitfalls on both sides of this, but that is super interesting because I think people really struggle with backwards compatibility. They may understand that it's a problem, but a lot of times the patterns for dealing with it maybe aren't as well known or aren't as well trodden. And I feel like developers will very often, if they can, reach to the, I'd rather just build a new thing 
from scratch, <laughs> then have to uh, adapt this in a way that it can still be used, but will be useful where I need it to be in the future. I don't, and I don't know if you've uh, encountered this issue or if you've had strategies that have been useful to kind of overcome this either fear or compulsion that people have that um, I, I don't know how to migrate, I'm just going to build a new thing. And I'll call that V2 or give it a different name and put it in a different bundle and you can include whichever one you want. Sure. Yeah. So I'll use an example from something that I'm working on right now at SalesOff. So, so my uh, kind of area of purview is front-end enablement, primarily with our, our largest front-end uh, repository of 800,000 lines of code. Um, I, think, I think we're at like 100, 150 developers who are working in it on a regular basis. Um, and so as we've grown it, not only have we grown in size, but we've also been changing technologies. We were originally on AngularJS. Okay, yeah. And, uh, and we're, we're still in the process of migrating off of that. And what we've had to do through that process, just like you said, there are, it is the natural kind of inclination to say, I will just burn the old thing down, build the new thing, and we'll just switch over. Well, that rarely works that easily. So one of the things that, that I've learned through the process, and now I'm, I'm sharing with others as, as we keep you know, working through this repo and through this, this migration, is you often have to start by making things more complex to make them more simple. Mm. And what I mean by that is yeah. uh, there, have been, there have been times where I, I know where we're going. I know where we're heading, right? So I've got the vision, I've got the trajectory, uh, but in order to get there, we're going to have to zigzag. And that zigzagging means we're going to have to add actually more code than we're going to end with because we'll add the more code to keep the backwards compatibility, we'll get things shifted over, and then we'll burn down everything, the old code plus the backwards compatibility code. But I think a lot of us don't like that answer of, oh, we actually have to make things more complex in the middle yeah. to get to that kind of clean solution at the end. We, we want to bypass that and just say, I just want to get to the clean thing at the end. It's like... Okay, I understand that that compulsion, but at the same time, we need to deliver value to our customers. And if we're just burning things down because we want to, and it ends up breaking things for people that depend on what we build, then we're not actually doing our job, yeah. right? We're just fulfilling some selfish desire to see code written the way we want to see it. Um, so the path of migrations is typically more messy than we would like it to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, but if you do it right, it's it's incredibly fulfilling. We've we uh, <clears throat> just the just last Friday, um, we acquired a company about two years ago, and uh, the the team that works on their on that section of the the UI, it's in a separate repository or was. Um, they've over the past few months been working to kind of get closer to the standards of what we have in our largest repository and then friday we just hit the button to merge their repo into ours so now wow. now everything's contained in one place and then that unlocks so much and we're able to um deliver on some some big upcoming product features because we now have everything in that one place but the road to get there was quite circuitous and uh, we had to put some we just had to zig and zag a good bit as we were trying yeah. to figure out. And it wasn't just for that per se, but the reason we're able to merge that code in or that, that other repo in is because we've made other decisions along the way to help support a really solid, clean architecture. Um, but getting to there has involved a lot of, you know, code that's just to make sure the old stuff doesn't break. Uh, mm -hmm. But in doing so, 
we're building that trust with our customers, that backwards compatibility story that, that Lego builds. We're building that same trust with our customers because even though we're improving it and we're making the technological choices we know need to be made for the long term, uh, the customer doesn't see any negative impact from that. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say this because if anybody has ever experienced or hasn't experienced um, doing one of these very deliberate sort of migrations where you have to make things more complex or more messy, mm -hmm. um, there's a feeling near the end or at the end when you sort of cut that last string and all of that sloughs off and it yes. just works. Sometimes it doesn't just work, but when it just <laughs> works, that is one of the most satisfying feelings that, um, that your plan was executed. But it, it's one of those things that kind of like you don't, you almost feel like you're never going to get out of it until the moment when you're out of it. Until you do. And, and then and, you're like, oh, that's feels great. Yeah, and Harry Roberts, CSS Wizardry on Twitter, once had a talk on this that I loved when he talked about helping people do CSS migrations. Mm -hmm. And he said one of the things that he always includes is basically this garbage CSS file or whatever he called it. Basically, all the messy, nasty hacks necessary in order to make the old code compatible with what you're trying to do next so that you can then do the migration piece by piece. And when it's all done, all that garbage adapter code is in one file. So when it's finally time, you don't need it anymore. You just cut that file out and now it's clean. Um, but you still need that messiness. And mm -hmm. some of the hacks he walks through in that talk on how to make that CSS work, hacking specificity and stuff like that is stuff I carry with me forever because it's so ingenious. But I mean, anybody that looked at it would just cry. Sure. Uh, but it works and it makes it it makes what's old compatible with what's new um, mm -hmm. and it's kind of exactly what you're saying it, it gets messier it gets nastier it gets more complex but then it gets much better and you don't have to then do a translation back out of it like you you put all that effort in up front so that later you just cut the string and it just you know hopefully just cuts all away yeah and, and I, I forget the exact adage but something along on the along the along the lines of um, making things simple is really hard. Yeah, you know, when, exactly. you, when you get to the end of one of these migrations, people kind of see, oh, look how simple that was. Uh, there's a lot of complexity that's being contained underneath that. We want to make things simple for you know, the people kind of looking from the outside in. That doesn't necessarily mean what we're doing inside that the code base or whatever it is we're working on is by any means simple or clean or what have you. We want it to get there, of course. And, and it was funny you were talking about that that feeling of of relief and excitement you get when you finally cut over that was me friday we hit that <laughs> button and like the the other team they were excited absolutely but like i'm i'm like jumping up and down on the mm -hmm. zoom call i'm hooping and hollering in, in my home office and my family's like what's going on uh, cuz i i know what it took to get us here and that we finally were able to kind of you know pull the ripcord and now we're here and this is great you know yeah. um so yeah, for so sure. There's another part of uh, sort of backwards compatibility as you were describing it when it comes to Legos that was occurring to me because it's something that I've encountered as my son grows out of different types of blocks from you know mega blocks to different types of blocks to, mm -hmm. to, to Duplos to, to Lego is that those systems are their own system because Lego is so consistent Oftentimes, the developers and designers of those blocks will make them in some sort of even multiple of Legos adapters. So if you've ever taken Duplos, if you've ever taken sometimes even Mega Blocks, and then you've tried to attach them to Lego models, they're not one for one. Two by fours are not two by fours, but they do map somewhere on the grid. So a two by four might become an, an eight by 16. I, hopefully I did that right. <laughs> so, you know, 
I think that is super fascinating when you take it to the idea of APIs because there's this idea that if you have backwards compatibility, sure, but consistency and mm -hmm. clarity, now all of a sudden that's an API that other people can build off of because they know it. It doesn't just have to be an industry standard, it could just be standard for you. Um, that that's, gives people enough comfort, enough stability, that they're willing to take their thing that needs to be stable and build it on top of your thing. I don't know your thoughts on, on that at all. Yeah, so one, one, of the, one of the other kind of fundamentals I talked about in the talk was specifically about composability. And the way I define it there is, um, how does this thing work in the context of other things? Uh, or to say it a different way, how easily is this remixable, right? We don't want to create like prefab puzzle pieces that only fit together. We want to create building blocks that people can reuse in interesting and novel ways that maybe we didn't think about. And I'm not talking about maybe bad faith actors who take something that really shouldn't be used for job A and use it anyway. I'm talking about good faith actors who see uh, opportunity and see potential in using what we provide and building on top of it to make something great. Um, and sometimes how they use whatever it is we provide looks different than what we expected, but that, that's good, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we, we want to be building things in such a way that people can compose, can remix, can um, build. And, and in Lego's case, you know, I, personal opinion, I think the reason why all these companies build to Lego is because they are the de facto standard because they're so good. I mean, obviously, the, the time that they've been in the market is significant, um, but there's a reason why they are now as big as they are, right? Yeah. They've been so good for so long uh, that they have become the de facto standard for kids' blocks. And I think, I think all of us uh, in our spaces have the opportunity not necessarily to become like the gold standard, but to just, again, execute those fundamentals so well yeah. that people want to use what we provide, right? Sometimes, sometimes tools or libraries or services are kind of thrust upon us for whatever reason, whether it's we have to use this uh, because um, this was made higher up or it's just the stack that we have or what have you. Uh, but there are times when we get to choose what we want to use. And, it makes a difference uh, how much care has been put into a tool. You, you can sense it, right? We, we all have this kind of developer gut and uh, we, we get these intuitions. They're not always correct, of course. They're not always 100%. Right. Um, but we get these intuitions about what, what we like and, and what feels good and, and, and we can kind of sense the care that was put into something. Yeah. And uh, I liken it to, I'm, I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan here, here in Georgia, so uh, you know I'm feeling pretty good right now but we'll see how the rest of the season goes um yeah but mark down when you're listening to this podcast yeah and, and uh, reach well, out to roy ray if uh, things have changed but yes uh yeah who, who knows who knows but um <laughs> you know one thing you see not just in georgia but in, in a lot of just elite teams is they execute the fundamentals excellently right they it's it's not about necessarily having flashy players although you know the best teams have great players um, but it's about getting all those players to work in a system and execute on those fundamentals perfectly. And teams that do that <laughs> run over everybody else, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and to, to get out of the sports analogy for a second, um, when we are able to execute on those fundamentals, we're able to deliver more value to uh, the people that rely on us uh, for, for whatever product it is that we're, that we're providing. Yeah, you know, and it, it's it's interesting too because the the idea of executing the fundamentals perfectly does not imply perfection of a craft at its highest level. There really is a distinction there to be made because I think one of the other lessons about Lego that's so amazing is that 
Anybody can build with it. I can build a house. My son can build a house. And a Lego artist on the Lego Masters TV show can build a house. Those will all look wildly different, but they're all functional houses and they can all be executed well. They can have their four walls, their, their, their roof, their door, and whatever features and embellishments they want thereafter. But I think one thing that a lot of people get into um, with APIs of any stripe, but certainly backend ones, is that there's this like um, paralysis that comes with not being sure what the perfect uh, API is, not being sure I can build the best model, right? So I remember sitting there and being stuck for longer than I would care to admit right now on this podcast, <laughs> just trying to figure out whether or not this should be a get or a partial put, or it wouldn't be a get or a partial put, but trying to decide whether something should be a partial put, a full put, a post operation that edits a thing and reading blogs that had opinions on this and trying to ask people what their opinion was. And like the answer is, Maybe it doesn't really matter. Like there are, can be right or wrong answers and industry standard answers and things that people would expect if they wanted to be composable and be consistent with other popular things. But I think sometimes people can get too afraid that their Lego model, their API, isn't going to be perfect. And it's like, that's kind of the point. If you're building out of a box of just random pieces, you just need to build something, um, build it well and not get too hung up maybe that someone else can build one that's prettier. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 you're right. I, that's a good call out. Perfection is the wrong word there. It, it's not about performing a specific act perfectly. I think it's about um, to use a trite phrase like the pursuit of excellence. Yeah, right? it's it's about consistently making the right choices over time. Um, another term that I used in the it's not mine. It's, it's other people's, but the uh, aggregation of marginal gains, which is the idea that. Uh, we don't need to try to make these huge changes in very small amounts of time and, and kind of, you know, climb these mountains and have this big mountain time experience. And then th that typically doesn't work. What works is making lots of small changes consistently. And the consistency is, is the key, right? You always need to be moving in the right direction. And if you do that enough, you look back three, six, 12 months later, and all of a sudden you're in a totally different place, a much better place, uh, because you've made these changes over time as opposed to trying to rely on this single monumental monumental effort so i think excellence is a is a better quantifier for yeah. what we're looking for because excellence is also uh, graded right a, a, what is excellent for your son building a house is different than if you're going to build the house right it's it's relative to it, it can be relative to the situation yeah maybe so, relative to expectation or yeah expectations need or whatever else it would be and and, and yeah. in your case right so you were saying talking about the the partial put versus the post versus the full full put you know it to a degree and and you kind of articulated this it doesn't really matter but one of the things that i talked about in, in the talk was it matters insofar as we're consistent about it, right? Yeah, Make exactly. a decision that is consistent with how you've made decisions in the past and then keep doing that thing. Because if, if people can rely on the consistency, can rely on the dependability of what you provide, that also builds that long-term value because they know, you know, I've used this thing in the past from this person or I've used this service in the past and they've got the, this new thing and I know based on my experiences in the past, this is going to be something that fits my needs or what have you. So using we're building to your own standard uh, is is many times perfectly acceptable and it, and it helps maintain that consistency. We don't have to necessarily build to other people's standards. Yeah, I mean, that is really magical. And I think that's one of the things that I was thinking about for people to really take to heart is sometimes excellence 
seems, as you said, sim- sometimes simple, it's harder than you think. Mm-hmm. And I think training ourselves to really appreciate when something was exactly what I expected and learning to recognize it and take a moment to go, wow, that library was easy to integrate. Why? What was it that it just seemed like it worked the way I expected? That's where you can find some of this wisdom, I think, and mm-hmm. the lessons to grow in your development of either component APIs or, you know, or, or system APIs is, you know, some of the core libraries in .NET and uh, Java, like I was a big .NET developer, the power and the elegance sometimes of I enumerable of some of these core libraries where people truly put countless hours developing them. It seems like there's nothing there until you go to develop your own similar concept and you realize yes. how hard it is. And I think sometimes when we see something simple, we do sort of push it aside as not being worthy. But when you see something that truly just works as you would expect it to, even though you've never used it before, I feel like you got to pause for a second and go, whoa, something cool just happened here. Like there's beauty in something that I didn't think there was beauty in, um, where it wouldn't, or I wouldn't look to find beauty. Uh, and I think that's just a way that people can grow, um, for example. Yeah, I, I, it reminded me of, I don't know if you're familiar with the meme where it's, it's the bell curve and it's like the uh, developer who's just starting, developer who's middle in his career, and then like yeah. the, the, the Jedi master developer. Uh, and I feel like simpli- like the, the junior developers, like this is how I know to build, so I'm just going to make it simple. And then as you get further in, you're like, oh, I, I know all these things. I'm going to make it, you know, I'm going to make it really fancy. I'm going to make it really complex. I'm going to make it do all these things. And then you get to a point where you're like, that that's not as valuable as I thought it was, and you start that pendulum starts swinging back toward. I'm going to make this simple now. Again, as we've articulated, simple is not easy, and so you know, getting getting to that simple on the other side of the experience spectrum, um, it takes time and it takes uh, some dedication. It, ta- it takes working through, but uh, it it does come, um, it, but it's not easy. <laughs> Well, listen, I mean, these conversations, you got us talking about Legos and time flew by so quickly. We had so many things we'd love to say, but we'll leave the people wanting so they can definitely check out the rest of your talk for the rest of the context of this. But for people that are listening, how can they find you online and you know, where, where can people uh, find you? Yeah, so uh, my last name is very difficult uh, for people to spell, so I'm not going to try to do it here on the podcast. We've got some <laughs> show notes we can link out to. Um, but they can find me at Ray Gesualdo pretty much everywhere, raygesualdo.com, uh, at Ray Gesualdo on Twitter and GitHub. I'm glad to connect, talk about these things, talk about front-end architecture, talk about all sorts of uh, fun front-end topics. All right. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much. That is it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this Modern Web podcast on on Legos, I suppose, architecture, API development, and so much more. Thank you to our guest, Ray. As always, the conversation does not stop here. You can find Ray on Twitter at, well, we'll link it, but Ray Jesualdo on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at RoboCell. As for the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com or on Twitter at modern.web. Thanks so much, Ray, and hope to see you all next time. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Cause we got a show for you